This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Kia ora and welcome to this week's No Nay Never podcast. I'm Isabella. And I'm Toby. And we're from New Zealand. We are the guest introducers this week. What's coming up? Hello and welcome to the No Nay Never podcast. Firstly, thanks to Isabella and Toby from New Zealand for this week's introduction. Um, today I've got with me Kev and uh, Natalie to talk about yet another uh, away game without a win, um, a nil-nil draw at Middlesbrough. Um, Natalie, where do we start? Uh, yet again, failed to capitalise an opportunity at a side that uh, are probably one of the more beatable teams for us on the road. Um, what's your feeling after the game? My feeling is one of extreme positivity and I I actually felt really good after that result and I don't... I don't share the doom and gloom this week about the lack of an away win. I think at the end of the day, we've all accepted that it's probably not going to happen this season. But it's another point. And I think the main thing that we have to think about this game is that every single point in this league away from home is a bonus point because it's one of the toughest, if not the toughest leagues in the world, to get anything away from home. Um, And at the end of the day, we went to Middlesbrough, who have a little bit more about them than Sunderland do. Um, and they are absolutely fighting for their lives. And a win against us was the last chance saloon for them. If they didn't, if, well, if they got beat, they were pretty much relegated anyway. And as it stands, a draw is probably not enough for them anyway. But they they really had to fight for their lives for this game. And Burnley had to put in a very, very disciplined graft of a performance to grind a result out. And actually, a result for us was a, was a very important, sorry, a draw for us was a very important result. If we'd have gone there just trying to just, be, I know I said this last week, I wanted him to be positive, positive and go for the win. Um, but I actually changed my mind with the game on Saturday and the result and where that leaves us in the division. I think at this time, this stage in the season, we have to really just knuckle down now and make sure we get the job done. Do you know in previous podcasts when I've expressed some um, frustration, I guess, with 
lack of discipline in the dying minutes of a game and how we've conceded goals. Well, you use the same analogy into the dying games of this season. We've pretty much got the job done now. And I think I was perhaps naive last week when I was saying that I just wanted them to go out there and just go for it and be positive and try and get a win. Why? Just to say that we actually got a win away from home this season. At the end of the day, it doesn't matter. The points are on the board. And I think if we now just keep focused and get this job done, I think that's more important than whether or not it's an away point or an away win. I think I'm going to echo much of what you said there, actually. Now, I think I, uh, in in the previous podcast, I said that we should be going there looking for a draw, uh, and that's what we got. I think it was a a very good result all round. I think we, it's it's what we what we needed from this game. Um, and who's the away game we've got coming up? that's winnable. Um, Palace. Palace away. Yes, Palace. Um, so those two games, I think we, we should be going to both of those expecting to, to get at least a point. And I think a point is, is absolutely good enough in these games now. It's got to that stage in the season where it's for home games now that are going to secure our fate. If, if for some reason we were to go down, um, it would be our home games that sealed it. But I, I don't think we are. I think, we, I think we're pretty much safe now. Um, and that was a, yeah, it was a, a decent enough um, decent enough result for us. Um, and even make it even better is that it's it pretty much relegates Middlesbrough. Um, oh, they, Kevin. If they were to have any chance, <laughs> any chance at all of staying up, um, then beating us was a must win, uh, and we didn't. So Patrick Bamford would have been uh, crying in his car after the match, um, <laughs> getting ready for. He's trying, he'll have been he'll have been wondering which uh, which which Premier League club he can um, not score for next season. Kevin, you've brought the sass to this episode. Boom boom. <laughs> I hope uh, Bamford's not a listener, otherwise he probably will be crying in his car again. Yeah, I, I don't think he Bamford, think he is. you are rubbish. I think, I think you we're are pretty pathetic. safe in our assumption that he is not a listener of a Burnley podcast. Uh, I'm, I'm surprised by, getting back to the game, I'm surprised by the amount of positivity uh, practically teeming from both of you. I know you said there, Bromers, that a win's maybe not essential on the on the road, but... Um, do you not think it's going to have some sort of impact on next season if we we come through this campaign having not managed it? And and again, we saw Andre Gray brought off early um, in a game where you know a half chance could have could yeah. have done it. Yeah. Okay. Well, I guess the the two points there. The, the first one about um, um, going into next season. Kevin mentioned this. Uh, I think it was in a couple of podcasts ago where he had some real concerns that there was going to be a psychological barrier, and if it spilled into next season, then if we didn't get the results, uh, sorry, if we let the away form carry on into next season and we didn't manage to get the away, the, oh my God, sorry, the home results that we've been getting this season or indeed teams do find us out, then we are going to, we're probably going to get relegated next season on the, or just if, if that happens, I'm not saying we, we will, I'm saying if that happens and I know Kevin expressed some concerns about that um, and yeah, I do share that. This You can only take one season at a time and where we are at this moment in time, we are assessing the first time that we've managed back-to-back Premier League seasons assuming that it goes that way so if we analyse this season we say yes it doesn't really matter where those points have come from we've survived and we build again and we go again next season now on the flip side of that is if we don't manage to get that um, away win this season and it becomes a psychological problem what does Dyche do over the summer to get that psychological barrier out of the players' heads and to actually turn it around next season? Is it a player issue? Is it a psychological issue? Is it just the nature of the Premier League? You know, it, it most teams 
know that they have to win their home games to have any hope of surviving or indeed at the top end getting into the top six. So there's probably only, let's say the top 12 finish top 12 because they uh, because they do win all of their home games. That only leaves seven more, including if, assuming we're in, in the bottom eight um, sides, that only leaves seven opportunities for an away win. Um, so, you know, if you win two or three of those, then that that's fine. You're only talking about potentially here winning two or three games as opposed to drawing four. It, you know, it's, the, the, the balance isn't that far away from where we are now. So, yeah, I, I do understand that point, Birdie, and I, do, I don't want it to become a psychological problem. But I do wonder whether this this is being made much more of an issue than it actually is when you when you actually analyze the figures and how many away wins you should expect to get in one season i'm not entirely sure with that far off in terms of points interesting interesting potentially um i do feel it, you know it is a problem if we can't coming into next season get you know the same sort of home form we've had this season then it could obviously impact yeah well that's the worry isn't it of course um also in the game, we, we saw, as you alluded to, I think, earlier, we invited a lot of pressure again late on. Um, I'd, I think it's probably fair to say Middlesbrough had you know, the better of the chances. Um, and yet again, our defence had to work hard to, to keep us in the game. But it looked like we maybe kept our concentration a little more than we normally do. Um, what do you think, Kevin? Yeah, obviously, you know, we, we've kept the clean sheet, which is, um, which is the ultimate... Uh, the ultimate demonstration of of our defence's performance and their concentration. Um, that said, I don't think Middlesbrough offered anything massively significant. Um, they got a little bit more urgency to in the last fifteen twenty minutes or so. Brought a couple of subs on, which did have a positive impact. Um, but obviously, uh, Matt Lawton was was very impressive, blocking it off the line a couple of times. But um, other than that, I don't think they offered offered masses. Um, I, I do think that throughout the whole game, uh, Lawton and Ward were absolutely outstanding. Um, they're probably two players who I think have probably maybe at the start of the season were the two of the players you'd be from the back line you'd be thinking um, could could be replaced. And I think certainly a few times on the podcast we we talked about it only only being a matter of time before um, Flanagan came in for for one of them. Maybe earlier in the season when Middlesbrough put did make those positive changes and did put, have a bit more urgency. Maybe earlier in the season, um, they do go on and score. Um, I think we, yeah, I think we, we defended very professionally uh, towards the end and those two were, were a big part of that. Yeah, it, I think it's encouraging to see that we, we've learned maybe from uh, completely turning off in those situations and, and ultimately costing us some goals. Um, I think, Natalie, you had one response to uh, your tweet asking for topics to talk about this week that did cover the sort of back four um, and talking on what we think of the season at whole. Do you want to go through what we were asked to discuss? We did. Well, John, apologies if this is a really bad pronunciation of your last name, but John Gibbout tweeted us to say, how does the current defence, back four and keeper, compare to past defences? At least three, if not four, are viable candidates for player of the year. And the other is probably the most improved. And John, that's a that is so true. I think I've been trying to decide who my um, player of the season is so far, and I, I, I genuinely have um, a, the the three shortlisted are Heaton, Keane, and me, and and I can't quite decide which one 
to go for. Um, but all five of them have been absolutely spectacular. And one of the things that that James talked about before we started recording this evening, I'm sure we'll elaborate on it, is is our part of the reasons for our relegation the last two Premier League seasons has been our um, weak defence and that's just not there this season um, all of the match reports um, have picked up on this this week uh, against the Middlesbrough game and have, have basically said that you know no matter how well I guess Middlesbrough are pretty lacklustre up front anyway, aren't they? But all they were doing was just sort of hoofing aimless balls in a very weak crosses. And a lot of the national media have picked up on the fact that that's never, ever going to get past our uh, back five and especially our two centre-halves who are very strong, very resilient and are very good in the air. And you're just not going to get past them. Um I think we saw. Um, I think Kevin put it in our um, in our chat, um, the non never team chat. I think we were talking about an art, an article, and, and Kevin probably be able to to, um, to again tell us where this came from. But I think it was an interview with a former player. It might have been Stephen Caldwell when they were they were talking about previous. Um, defences and previous squads and, and how the current squad fares to those um, and I, I genuinely think that this has been the best back five that we have had in any three seasons I can't I can't think that I mean certainly the 2009 uh, defence was was quite weak I think um, the, the two years ago it was it was much better but I think this one's just you know class we've got two of them in the England squad for goodness sake and one of them who is widely touted to be the probably the centre half that we take to the World Cup so you know, potentially the one of the best two centre halves in the in the country. So yeah, they, for me, they're they're absolutely amazing. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, I mean, our, our defence, like you say, was was certainly better last time. And you what you look at, we had obviously Kieran Trippier was was absolutely absolutely fantastic. But we had Ben Mee at left back, um, and we know that he is much 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 better in the centre uh, since we've seen that change. Um, we had Michael Duff playing um, the majority of the season. Again, uh, it's been a fantastic. He was a fantastic player for us. I thought he did very, very well. Um, but even, and even with Jason Shackle as well, obviously we've seen what's happened to his career since he left Burnley. It's not been. Um, <laughs> it's not been um, well anywhere near the level of uh, career highs that his replacements, uh, Michael Keane and, and Ben Mee have, have been, Ben Mee have seen. So uh, you look across that back four. Um, I think probably the only the back five as well. Uh, even Tom Heaton. Um, is, is a better player, I think, now than he was two years ago. Probably the only player from that back five who was um, from last time around who would get into our team now is uh, is Kieran yeah, Trippier. It's, it's, it's a completely different generation, is it? It's just it's funny to think back then. You look at that 2009 defence, and actually we were also giddy the first season we were in the Premier League, and after a really good first half when you know we were all very excited and momentum was still with us, we were genuinely thinking we were going to stay up. And, and you look back now at those squads, and you just think, well, yeah, that's why we got relegated. You, you kind of feel like you're a little bit naive, don't you? And I think Brian Jensen, <laughs> exactly. I mean, I think. I've said this before on the podcast. One of the things that I, I see in Middlesbrough, Middlesbrough are, you know, they, they are one of the strongest sides to come with. They weren't a weak side. They could have potentially done it. But I've seen a lot of their tactics and a lot of their spending and a lot of their um, play that reminds me of us the first couple of times we went up. And I, I think they honestly thought that they were going to come up and stay up and that would be it. Then they'd be back because they, they were one of the original members of the, of the Premier League. They have been in the league. They've done obviously very well. 
but it has been quite a few years since they've been up here and, and it, the division's changed and I think they I think there's a naivety to newly promoted size for the first time that they, they get promoted or the first time in a long time that they're in that and we were just as guilty of that in 2009 and 2014 and it's only this year with this squad and the tactics and the infrastructure and the manager that I'm starting to see just how weak we were the other two seasons and why we didn't stay up and we've definitely improved we've definitely moved on and we've definitely learned our lessons from then well that was maybe a little bit more comprehensive than i, I anticipated <laughs> is that I, okay I uh, hopefully we, we answered that well enough for them <laughs> um i think all good points uh, for me the the key thing has maybe been um that we've kept a regular back four over both the promotion season and into this season uh, and obviously just the amount of young talent there is there um which is fantastic um just to bring it back to the the Bury game, we did see a few changes to the lineup um, from last week. Uh, Natalie, were you a bit shocked to see see Volks come back out the side and Barnes come in? Fuming. Yes, 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 and yes, and absolutely fuming. I that was the one. Oh, this is this is always a really difficult um, piece of analysis, and I, and I understand some fans who get frustrated at us and with the whole in Dutch we trust hashtag, which obviously just gets thrown around quite a lot. Um, and obviously it worked, and obviously we got a very good point, and obviously that was fine. But we just looked a completely different side um, at home to start when he actually played. Books and we looked like we were going to create a little bit more and that Vox Grey partnership just works so well it works so much better than Grey Barnes does and Barnes is such an effective impact sub when he comes off off the bench and we saw that against Stoke and he really he actually got us over the line against Stoke and he managed to break up that last 10 minute momentum he managed to make it awkward for Stoke and to stop them from trying to to grab a last minute winner uh, sorry, equaliser. Um, so I was very surprised to see Deitch change it again. And I, I think he just, it, it's really hard to not question, well, it's really hard to question him, I guess, but it just screams to me that he was going again for a nil-nil draw. And whilst it worked this time, it's such a risky strategy because if you, if, if they'd have come out and we'd have just had a bit of lapsing concentration we go one or two goals down that's it you've lost the game you're never getting back into it especially away from home so yeah i just don't i don't understand yeah i was i was similarly very disappointed i'm a big i think i've I've talked i've talked a lot this season about how i think they're they're quite even in terms of their their ability and probably their their effect on the game but i think i think i agree that barnes i think i'd much prefer to see him come in Coming off the bench and making that impact, and I think you look at you look back at the impacts uh, that Ashley Barnes has had. You look at some of his biggest moments in a in a Burnley shirt, and the, the majority of them, I think, have come from the bench. Barnes is that sort of impact player. He's he's come in often physically and literally give the opposition a very strong physical impact. Um, whereas Bar Vox, I think, is much better at um, giving us that shape and structure, which is something that works better from the start and it's a lot more difficult to come in and then add at a later time uh, later later into the game it's something that works better as built the game being built around that so it, at this point obviously there's this there's obviously some some thinking in there from from Sean Dyche and um we've, we've got another point on the road so we can't complain too much because I think that was Sean Dyche's um intention and that's what that's what happened so if that was in, his intention it worked but uh purely from a spectacle and from a, a fan's perspective it's uh it was disappointing for me 
uh, yeah, for me, the the Volks and Gray thing is a bit a bit frustrating. It's clear that Volks and Gray are the best partnership. Um, and when we start with Barnes and Gray, I know we've seen it work a little bit against Sunderland at home. But even we start with that, I'd rather we took Barnes off the Volks at some point in the game. And it just continues to perplex me why we'd take Gray off and, and put Volks and Barnes together, which to me just looks disjointed and doesn't seem to really offer much. Um, obviously, the other big change to the lineup was um, Brady back in starting on the correct side of the field. Um, I think it's fair to say that he's got off to a, a, a mixed start. Uh, at the club, obviously, a great goal in his first game against Chelsea. But apart from that, I think it was a really poor game for him. Um, we've seen that he's obviously played quite a bit on the right and, again, has been poor. Uh, his end product's really been lacking. But we saw with Jeff Hendrick that, you know, how he grew into playing for Burnley. Um, and it took him maybe a month or so of feeling like he wasn't that good uh, and maybe wasn't worth the money we paid for him before he obviously scored that screamer against Bournemouth. And I think since that point, he's, he's been far better. I mean, do you think it's important that Brady gets gets the opportunity to start games at this stage, particularly now, if, as we're all saying, we should be safe, um, you know, wins on the ro- road aren't as important? I think so. I think um, I think one of the thing, one of the criticisms you could you could put Brady's way um, is that he's not. Um, I don't think he's particularly fit into um, the Sean Dyche mould um, so far. In that, well, he, I'd say he's probably the, the total opposite of the likes of George Boyd. George Boyd will always um, give you absolutely everything. He'll run up and down. He's got very good. Uh, quite na- uh, tactical news, I think. Um, whereas Brady has has not quite fit into that in his performances so far. Um, I think one of the, the best ways you can get that into him is is playing him and, and, and almost kind of forcing him to fit into that system. You know, it's a very probably a very different system, particularly for a player like him. It's a very different system to come in and play. He's probably a lot, a lot more used to be having a lot more freedom to express himself, uh, which is, is you're just not going to have in a, in a Sean Dyche team. That's never going to happen. Uh, um, I'm 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 hopeful and, and quite confident that we'll be uh, a lot more expressive next season, um, and I, I expect to see some more creative players coming in the summer. But whatever we do and however we whatever happens with that, you're still not going to get um, attacking players having the likes of the, the, a lot of freedom um, to 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 express themselves. And it's it's still going to be a very structured uh, team under Sean Dyche. So I think. It, the, you know, you can do a lot all the work on the training ground. You can do all this, but the only way you're really going to get that properly and, and effectively is by giving him that experience of, of playing in that system. And now, when there is um, that bit less pressure, there's, there's less pressure on him to to let the team down almost. And hopefully, Sean Dyche can. I think Sean Dyche has lacked confidence a little bit in the last few weeks, and that's probably why he's been a bit more solid with the team and going back to what he knows is a bit more comfortable with. Hopefully now that risk is is reduced and we're looking a lot more safe, he can have that confidence to get him into the team a bit more. And You've touched there on uh, Boyd, and I think one of the interesting things for next season is going to be, obviously, with Boyd potentially out of contract, obviously rumour that he's turned down a one-year deal as he's seeking two years. Uh, rumours of Arfield moving on. Um, you know, you said that Brady's not really fitting into the the Dyche mould, but obviously Dyche brought him in. Um, it looks like maybe the two wide players who really do fit the Dyche winger mould could be leaving. Um, what do you see Dyche doing to sort of solidify the the wide positions, Natalie? 
I, mean, I think I don't think it's a case of solidifying. I think it just needs to it needs to completely reinvent it. Um, I mean, the wide position is is a real struggle this season, and I think if we had my ideal four in the middle of the park would be uh, Marnie and Hendrick in the middle. So obviously, if Marnie hadn't have got injured. Um, Brady on the left and Goodmanson on the right. But we've not been able to do that through injuries and and, and suspensions and the like. So, you know, you, you've got to give Dash a bit of slack here on the basis that he's not been able to pick a team that he possibly could have wanted to. Um, but saying that, if, if you know, Boyd, I, I'm not in the... Um, branch of complete Boyd haters I, I actually think he's brought a lot this season but I know I'm in the minority um our field I think um is gone and I think it looks like as well like um Defoe's going to go as well I think it's clear that he's he's not going to stick around so we, we've, we're really really weak again in, in the middle of the park we've got Brady on the left obviously but we've got no cover for him um Good Munson hopefully will get back to strength so he's on the right but again we've got no cover for him either um and assuming that well we don't know what's going to happen yet with Joey um Marnie should come back but you know he's getting on a bit now so I'm not entirely sure how many more seasons he's going to have so we've essentially just got um Hendrick and uh Westwood in the middle we've well, we've only got four we've got a first team of four and no cover so for me Dyche has to has got a real problem on his hands I think he has to absolutely get into that transfer market and really um bring some players in um same with with the front two as well but yeah um I, I think I think he's going. I think the board's going to be in for an expensive summer. I think we've done fantastically well this season on what we've got, but we are going to potentially see quite a good few members of our squad leave us this summer. Absolutely, and I think, as you said, you know, it's going to be a lot of work to be done this summer. A lot of uh, a lot of action in the transfer market, and Sean Dash is going to be, uh, I think, a pretty busy man. Um, but I'm sure we're going to cover that a lot over the coming weeks as we as the season draws to a close, particularly as our you know our safety is confirmed mathematically. I'm sure this will get talked about a lot over the last couple of podcasts um, of the season, and and obviously maybe even in a, a little beginning of the summer special. Um, but there was one last talking point that I think we need to cover from the Middlesbrough game just before we move on to uh, some of the regular features. Um, obviously, late on in the game, Patrick Bamford, Mr. Violin, uh, got through clean on goal. Uh, Michael Keane <laughs> slipped just behind him. And, I love uh, it. <laughs> uh, and, and took him down. It did look like Bamford went down quite easily, but uh, obviously Michael Keane was booked for that. Um, and obviously there's a, a rule change this season that is the reason why he was only booked rather than sent off. And I think you've got a pretty good handle on that, Natalie. So we'll let you you go through the details. Yes. Um, well, uh, the there has been a rule change this season. I think most of our listeners will be familiar with the uh, ruling on penalties and the double jeopardy rule. This is completely separate from this. And the ruling for this season is... That And I will make it very clear, actually, in that it's not a last man rule. It's never been a last man rule. It's about denying a goal scoring opportunity. Now, the rules clearly state that if a player commits a professional foul and they're preventing a clear goal scoring opportunity, then it is a red card. However, if that foul is an accidental professional foul, then it is a yellow card only. And that's both outside the box and inside the box. In this situation, yes, Keane brought him down and it was a foul and the free kick was given. However, if you look at the at the foul itself, Keane clearly trips up over himself and that's what causes him to make that foul. It's therefore an accidental foul and the referee quite rightly gave him a yellow card and not a red. And there you have it. Well, there we go. No, no, no discussion needed. <laughs> yeah, I, I think Thank that, you. <laughs> I think that could be played to all uh, Borough fans who are disappointed 
Uh, with, I think with some of the Borough fans have picked up on it as well. Actually, I've seen quite a lot of, on message boards and, and on Twitter as well. In that, um, a lot of them obviously are, are frustrated. I appreciate that, and I think a lot of them have actually picked up on that and realised that yeah, it is actually unfortunately the rule. As, as far as that explanation was, um, I'm not really sure it was needed anyway. <laughs> we obviously thought if this is a clear goal-scoring opportunity, it looked up for Patrick Bamford. Well, Kevin, there's no point. Kevin, it's not. Kevin. It's not, is it? Leave the poor lad alone. You know, has he not suffered <laughs> really enough? Hope... I really hope he doesn't listen. Uh, doesn't. Another thing I thought, um, sort of, I saw a great, uh, very humorous tweet. I'm going to steal. I'm going to, I'm going to have a, my own uh, tweet of a week this week, which was someone saying, um, um, that, um, "Whoa, Michael... whoa, 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 whoa! Excuse me." <laughs> I'm sorry, Bromers. I'm I'm stealing your territory here, but it was a uh, Michael Keane is a hero once again against Middlesbrough with a four two fantastic lang- last gasp equaliser around this time last year, and then his um his hilarious um slipping slipping taking out Patrick Bamford this year. So I thought that, that made me chuckle. Young Patrick did look most displeased. Uh, I think with the referee's decision. Um, Maybe he wants to learn the rules as well as find his shooting boots. I think in his defence, he's spending far too long um, being forced to play the violin to uh, to read the rules. This is a brutal podcast. I'm actually there's a there's a very small part of me actually started to really feel sorry for Patrick Bamford. It's very slight, oh, very slight. But honestly, let's give the poor guy a break. We don't want to set him off crying again. Come on. <laughs> I hope he's not listening to this on the car home. Oh, yeah. On the on rule changes, I think it can be difficult the first time you you see one of these rules that have changed because sometimes the rule changes to such obscure uh, situations that it can take you three quarters of the season to see it. Yeah, I think we'll all remember that the confusion at the turf in the season when an offside was given and the, it was taken in the team who got the free kicks on half, uh, which was a bit confusing, but there you go. Um, so that means there's just one more thing to, to cover for Middlesbrough this week and that's uh, Tweet of the Week. So Natalie, over to you. The real tweet of the week. 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 Indeed, get your thieving mitts off my feature, Kevin Robinson. How dare you? <laughs> this week's tweet of the week is act- is actually come from our. <laughs> I can't speak. <laughs> Kevin, what are you doing to you, me? <laughs> I'm just oh waiting for the week God. to try and call it teats of the week. <laughs> I can't even say my own feature. I can't. This is starting. To, this is becoming as bad a psychological problem as Burnley's away form. I can't. This is a new catchphrase. I, oh my god. Okay, let's start. Let's oh start dear me. My god. <sighs> Composure. <laughs> Stop it. Okay. Indeed. Kevin Robinson, you can get your thieving mitts off my feature. This is my section and you're not having it. This week's tweet of the week is a, has come from... Oh my God! <laughs> I hate you so much. I've got a psychological problem with my feature. Right, stop it. I'm going to do this again properly now. Indeed, we have the proper tweet of the week feature now, Kevin. You can get your thieving mitts off it. Um, This week's tweet has been taken as part of our three-word match report that we've been asking for to get your reaction to games and to get a feel of how you thought the, um, the, the 90 minutes went. And this week's tweet comes from Gary Wilson, who simply says, 
job nearly done. And that is so, so very true. We are almost there. We're almost over the line. And I think most of us now can relax and stop fretting and stop looking down the table and start looking at a top 10 finish. All right. So so moving on, but staying with the, the current week of games, it's obviously time for everyone's favourite feature, Kitely Corner. Um, Michael Kitely did start yet again this week. He was replaced on 18 minutes by uh, Mizzino. Um, not sure how much of a game he had. I haven't had a chance to watch the highlights yet. However, the Marvins... Whoa, what? The, I know, pretty disgusting lack pretty of poor, dedication. But, but just wait, because this segment's getting better this week. Marvin's mention, Marvin came really close. Glanced ahead of just off target early in the second half. But then another former Burnley player, Dyer's diversion. He scored the equaliser <laughs> he's sick for the season against his My former God. side. So Lloyd Dyer, hero this week for Burton, <laughs> which keeps them uh, a rather impressive five points clear of Blackburn, meaning that our new second team look like they could be safe uh, at the expense of Blackburn, which is obviously fantastic news yes. for Burnley fans everywhere. Dire Diversion is my favourite of, of the names so far. I know, I think I quite like that as well. I've actually got um, a really close friend who's a Bristol fan and he's just sent me, while we're actually recording, he's just sent me a text saying that he's got a feeling that they might be relegating your beloved local rivals on Monday if all goes well. So clearly we're all going to be Bristol fans um, on Monday and cheer them on to try and see for, I, I think, I don't even know, Birdie, you might be able to ask Papa Bird to confirm this, but it must be a long, long time ago now that since Burnley and uh, Burnley were two divisions above Blackburn. I can't, it must be 60s, maybe? 50s? It'll be, it'll be, it'll be a good while. It'll be a good yeah. while. That, that'll take quite a bit of trolling through, uh, through the history books. <laughs> nah, just, I just asked Papa Bird, he'll know it off the top of his head. He'll be able he, to he, he, pro- he probably will. He'll probably will. <laughs> I'll him a text there. Um, not quite as smooth a link as I originally intended now, but you did get another question um, that fits in quite nicely with Blackburn getting relegated from the Championship, and that is, uh, which teams would we like to see leave the Championship in the other direction and come join Burnley in the Premier League next season? The top two is probably... It's going to be Brighton um, and Newcastle. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's probably fixed. Obviously, Brighton sit top at the moment. Uh, That's pull... a big call, that, James. <laughs> yeah, I know. I've said this before, I've been called many four-letter words, but um, luckily it doesn't involve this time, so us this time, so I can probably avoid that. Uh, but currently, Brighton sit top uh, after 41 games played with 86 points and a 34-plus uh, yeah. goal difference, uh, with Newcastle just behind them on 84 points after the same number of games. There's 10 However, points, isn't there, between them and third? Yeah, there is. So it's then Huddersfield, 10 points back. They do have a game in hand, though, but it's probably not going to be enough to, to catch up, especially when their goal difference is only four. Uh, but the, the playoff spots is, is very interesting. So I think, assuming we can say that Brighton and Newcastle are dead certs to be joining us next season in the, the Premier League, um, Huddersfield, Reading, Leeds and Sheffield Wednesday currently occupy uh, the playoff spots. Fulham are just two points out of there. Yeah, uh, with a better goal difference well. than all of the teams currently in a playoff spot. Um, and then probably the only team that can, can make it. Derby in, in eighth and they're on 62. Yeah, they're not going to. Yeah, they're too far Seven behind, back, I think, so. It's between those five teams. Um, firstly, who do you think is going to make it through to the, the, the playoffs? And, and secondly, who do you think is going to be... Uh, the ultimate victor. Uh, we'll start with you, Natalie, and then move on to Kev. I think, uh, well, I think first and foremost, we need to thank, let me just get our 
things up again just proving to our listeners that we're obviously incredibly organized one one quick aside is that i'm really glad um that brighton are going to be joining us because i really enjoyed the the, the battle for promotion with those yeah, with them last year um, i was really really disappointed that they missed out yeah they missed out not just purely because it, not just because it was Middlesbrough who I didn't want to get promoted, but purely because I thought I really really enjoyed that battle with them, and I think it would have been a, a great um, a great top two uh, to come up. Uh, yeah, I, I'm and completely I we... in agreement with that. I think um, I think for me, um, Newcastle, you've got to assume that with just one one year's absence from from the Premier League, that they will hopefully come back. Well, I say hopefully, you would expect them to come up and probably do a pretty decent job of trying to stay up. But from purely selfish selfish reasons, we should be looking, certainly as it's only our second season in the Premier League, we should be looking at the weakest possible size to come up that possibly can, because we want the top. We want the top three sides who come up to occupy the bottom three spots next season because then we are outside it and we can potentially get into a third season so like I say I think um, I think Newcastle are probably out of all of the three promoted sides will be the ones who've got most of a chance of staying up Brighton will give it a, a good shout and I agree with Kevin I'd be really pleased to see them come up but again be their first time in the Premier League and I wouldn't be surprised if they were maybe not as weak as we were in 2009 but certainly uh, they'll be no stronger than we were in 2014 so they should um, find life a little bit tough so in that sense I would probably look at whoever finishes six because they're the ones who tend to potentially struggle um, I think Huddersfield will struggle I think Wednesday would probably I see I, I don't want to see Leeds come up and I don't I don't mean that and I've got some people who are Leeds fans I think from a club perspective that's a great story to get them back at such a big club back in the Premier League but I think they'd have a chance of staying up as well so from this is purely from selfish reasons I don't want to see I don't want to see Fulham or Leeds come up I think I'm going to say either Huddersfield or Wednesday to come up with Brighton and Newcastle because I think if that happens there's probably going to be two of those who go straight back down and therefore that means we're only fighting to avoid one relegation spot um and I think we just need to just say just before I move on to Kevin it was actually Michael Burley Michael who sent us this question in so thank you Michael yeah, thanks, Michael. Uh, I think I'd agree. I'd, I'd probably say Huddersfield. Um, I, I don't know. I don't know much about any of these clubs, but uh, given that they're the only team up there that haven't had that, um, haven't played in the Premier League, I'd probably say that you'd got to assume they've probably got the um, the least impressive infrastructure. I think that was one of that was one of our big things when we first, um, not just first came up. I think we're still adapting the infrastructure um, to that to that Premier League level and things like the, the training ground and everything that goes around it. The the even that the the club support level and the the hospitality and the corporate stuff. Everything that comes with that Premier League, um, that pre- being a Premier League club. And while you know the the likes of Leeds and Sheffield Wednesday and uh, and Reading and, and Fulham, they the players aren't going to have that history of playing in the Premier League like we've got this year and what we've really benefited from. But just everything that comes around with the club, you know, things like the things like the, the training ground, things like the corporate side, they might not have that massive um, impact um, on the pitch. But it, it does it does give you something and having that experience around the club and in the boardroom and wherever it might be um, of have of being a Premier League club, Premier League club previously. 
it's 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 going to give you that that bit of percentage um, extra boost, which is obviously something what we don't want to have. So yeah, I agree, Natalie. Probably Huddersfield wouldn't wouldn't be at the level what we were in two thousand and nine, but they might be at the level we were like at at two years ago, uh, which is what you've got to hope. So they'd, they'd be my pick um, in addition to obviously the the the, the Brighton and, and Huddersfield, uh, sorry, and, and Newcastle. Um, the playoffs, like I say, it's it's really tight. Um, Fulham, Fulham have been. They've probably been playing better than any of those um, those five teams. So I'd I'd, I'd probably suggest they they could break in at the expensive um, maybe Sheffield Wednesday. In fact, I'm just looking at the stats now. And at the last um, last ten games, Fulham's lost two. Sheffield Wednesday have lost four. Um, so if it's battle between those two, you're probably going to save it on form. You've got to you've got to put money on Fulham. Uh, and just while, just just very quickly as well, um, just to jump back a bit, I did ask um, Dave Roberts uh, on Twitter, who uh, I know is a podcast listener, and he's very um, he well he knows every stat going when it comes to Burnley. When the last time uh, Burnley and Blackburn were were two leagues apart, and he reckons it's around the mid seventies, and he reckons it was nineteen seventy four and nineteen seventy five. Um, so thanks for that, Dave. Hopefully you're right. It is indeed right. I've I've, I've checked it myself. Um, so yeah looking at the team who's going to come up through the playoffs um, I'd like to think Fulham can sneak into the into the picture um, I don't know why but I've always just sort of quite liked, liked them got a quaint little ground I think it's you know they've got a yes, neutral section yeah, yeah. I think they're just like really harmless like does anyone dislike some, Fulham this... Fulham was a great away day last season uh... really really enjoyed that yeah, the, the Fulham away day was obviously the birth of the, the greatest chant to ever have lived, the Ben Me chant. Ben Me, Ben Me, Ben Me, Ben Me, Ben Me. Unfortunately, our players seemed to refuse to acknowledge it and came up with their own awful Ben Me song. Sorry. You, you, can, you can stop whenever you're ready, promise. Uh, yeah, so I'd like to see Fulham sneak in. Uh, and then to actually come up, um, again, probably wouldn't mind Fulham, but... Anyone other than Leeds? Do you know what? There's some really decent teams like that top eight, and even I guess if we're not really that bothered about them, but even the top nine, if you include Preston as well, you're right. Apart from well, Leeds, yeah, okay, I get that one. But there's some literally some pretty unoffensive size in that top nine, isn't there? There's like there's nobody that we've obviously Derby we've got a bit of a beef with, but only that's because of Shackle. But the rest of them, it's like I really wouldn't mind who comes up. Uh, I don't, but... I don't, like, don't, don't like Derby's fans. I have to stop you there. Yeah, that's true. Awful, awful fans. It is. Uh, but I think, very... I, would, I would say, for, like I was saying before about the selfish point about relegation again, I, I, I think there's some there's some big names, but there's some big names who have been out of the spotlight and without uh, backing and top flight football for quite some time now. So I think that there should be, out of the three that do come up, at least two of them should occupy those relegation slots, looking at that. So in that sense, we I wouldn't mind Chef Wednesday going up because I think they're probably the ones who are more likely to go straight back down oh if we're talking most likely to go back down Huddersfield bring them up right now do you think so do you think Huddersfield yeah. Huddersfield have got a bit more money though haven't they than Wednesday they might be able to spend a little bit more don't know they'll come up though and they'll, they'll have that tag attached to them like we always do true oh, little little Huddersfield bless them in the Premier League how will they cope oh, we, we had they, that in 2009 can they do it, and can they do it? Oh, look, they're doing really well. Oh, now they're not. Look, going to get absolutely yeah, bullied. Could be the worst points total ever. Look at them. Little Huddersfield, bless them. Just yeah, but the, you could say, I think you could say that, oh, yeah, no, maybe you're right. Chef Wednesday have got a, quite a bigger history, haven't they? But, yeah. I, okay, I'd, I'd say I, 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 I 
decent, decent science history. Um, so to to move on from from that, um, there's only one thing left to do. Uh, unfortunately, we're going to have to hand over to Kevin uh, to to cover off the predictions league. Predictions, predictions. It's the prediction league. Well, um, I'm actually quite happy to skip this this feature this week. So if you all want to just... Um, no, 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 just... no, 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 no. That's not how it works. <laughs> well, this, um, well, firstly... It, we've, got, we've got some shocking news. Sorry, go on, James. Firstly, just to interrupt. Yet again, the, the week he would be unbearable, Jamie's not here. I know he's timed this so badly, hasn't he? The only two weeks... He's timed it, it excellently. For some reason, he's, <laughs> he's thought making a living is uh, important. Uh, and he's missed the opportunity to go up. <laughs> So back to you, Kevin. Back to me, yeah. And it's shocking, truly shocking news. Um, but the only person to score points this week was Jamie Smith. And not only that, Jamie Smith scored full points. Um, me, myself and Natalie both went for a defeat. Um, James went for whoa, a 2-1 whoa, whoa, win. Hang on a minute. Before obviously. you go any further, can we make it very clear to our listeners who maybe missed last week's episode? I went for a defeat because I brought back reverse psychology, which is pretty much got us to safety so i sacrificed any chance of glory in the predictions league just for the sake of our team and i don't think you're giving me enough credit for that kevin robinson whatever the reason you went for a defeat <laughs> fine natalie went for a defeat i went for a defeat james obviously went for a win jamie smith went for a nil nil draw um who knew that he was um he could actually predict results um <laughs> and scores um, so that is dramatically, we've got a dramatic, dramatic twist as we approach the end of the season. But for the first time ever, for the first time since week one, the order of the table has changed. Um, I'm still top, of course, Am I no with 21 longer bottom? points. Oh, please. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm still top with 21 points. But now, James, you've been you've been knocked down. James has spent the whole season in second place. Um, but Jamie's overtaken him. Jamie's now second with 11 points. James, third on nine points. And Natalie, still four points. Um, as you've been <sighs> since, um, well, well, you've, you've now, well, it's a long, long time since you've scored any points. So now you've got f- four points in, uh, in last place. It's starting to hit home now. We've actually had a couple of suggestions from our listeners as to what my forfeit will be. I don't actually remember this forfeit thing. I don't think that actually happened. Um, I think people are mis- misinterpreting the rules. But we added uh, this week's, um, and forgive me, whoever listeners sent this in, I'm really sorry, I can't recall it to the t- to front of mind. It's quite a b- bit down my timeline. But somebody sent in a tweet saying that my forfeit should be that w- the week after it's confirmed that my relegation, uh, for want of a better word, I have to I have to do Kitely Corner. <laughs> I'm like, no, that is the worst forfeit ever. So I'm not I doing that. I think you that. need to. Um, <laughs> I think you need to record a jingle no, for for Cartley no, Corner. No, I'm not recording a jingle. I'm not doing Cartley Corner. Personally, so, I'm all for a, a live rendition of some songs at the the live event. No. As Jamie Smith quite rightly pointed out, that's more of a punishment for everybody else who's listening to it rather than me having to do it. So I think that's not good. Besides, these forfeits aren't, aren't a thing. I don't remember anybody saying anything about any forfeits. It's not it's not a thing. We're fine. It's very, very convenient. Can I just <laughs> clarify as well, Bromish? You, you talked about being, being relegated. Um, just to clarify, listeners, because I know everyone likes Bromish, she will still be with us next season. <laughs> yeah. We're not get- we're not get- we're not booting her off to a to a to a rival um, podcast somewhere else she's, I hope um, not, anyway. she's she's staying with us 
if, if, if I suddenly go quiet, can... listeners, then you know that he was lying. <laughs> may I, yeah, may yeah, I have to really get but... to a lesser feature than Tweet of the Week, though? No. <laughs> hey, can, no. Can, can such a poor predictor really be trusted <gasps> to pick the best tweet? <gasps> that's uh, how that's a good even that's a very think good about taking my feature off me. I will fight. <laughs> maybe... Maybe she can be relegated to Cartley Corner. No, I'm not doing Cartley Corner as a forfeit. That's a, that's a, that is a promotion, which is why it's my feature. Um, <laughs> but just to just to defend my performance this week, obviously, eternal optimist. Uh, Indefensible. Going against the, the no-nay negative uh, stereotype. Um, obviously, when we do win next week, it was back to business as usual. Uh, just just thought I'd let Jamie have a week at second just to just to mix it up. So generous. I know. That's the kind of person I am, Kevin. Well. Yes. Uh, should we should we do this week's predictions then? We've got oh, a God, very yeah, tough game coming up. Predictions. I've given up with predictions. I, I can't even deal. Um, I, I would I'd advise any Burnley fans not to look at Everton's um, home record uh, at the moment. If you if you if you have any hope of is getting any kind of result at Goodison Park, do not by in <laughs> any way be, look at Everton's It'll be so Burnley. Records. We've said this in so many games, but it will be so, so Burnley for us to get that result at Goodison. I can just feel it. It's probably also really important to note at this point that we've not really talked about Everton on Saturday, and there's a very good reason for that. We chose to talk about your topics uh, that would actually provide some variation to the podcast rather than discussing the same three issues about who will play on the wing, who will play up front, oh, yeah, can true. we win away from home? Um, <laughs> and also not to touch on the depressing fact that Everton are looking rather good at the moment. Um, so You say rather good, James. Just to, I've just looked at the stats and Everton are top uh, in the home form record at the moment. They've played uh, in their last seven games, they've won seven. Um, and conceded five, scored 26 and conceded five. Um, so that's a goal difference of 21 in their last seven home games. That That's yeah. not at all depressing, that, Kev. Thanks for sharing. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> just, just looking at the last three at home, you know, 4-2 against Leicester. A little blot on the record, actually conceded. Um, 4-0 against Hull, 3-0 against West Brom. It's probably safe to say that they're feeling pretty comfortable uh, at home, but they have yeah, taken but... on a bit of a our role away from home. Yeah, well, you say that though. You know, we have got quite a strong defence, so I'm not expecting. Whilst I'm not expecting anything other than a, than a loss, I'm not expecting the floodgates to open. I still think it'll be one, two nil maximum, and I think we might even score as well. So, are we still know. doing reverse psychology just because? <laughs> Possibly. I'm, I'm concerned now that that means it's going to be like six, seven nil. <laughs> I was going to say that you you missed out um, talking of six. You did miss out Everton six, Bournemouth three. Uh, another uh, recent yeah, but Bournemouth can't defend for end of this war. Then on our friendly podcast, uh, Bournemouth yeah. can't defend. We can defend a lot better than Bournemouth can, so we're not going to concede six. But, but Bournemouth can score better than we can, so swings and roundabouts. <laughs> but rather than just try and depress ourselves about how many goals Everton have been scoring at home, we'll actually move on to some actual predictions. Um, we'll get you out of the way early, Kev, because then we all know what the actual result's going to be. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'd, I'd love to I'd love to do a James and be positive. I'm going to go... I'm gonna, a second ago, I was going to go for a 3-0 defeat, but I'm not. I'm going to be optimistic and go for a 2-0 defeat. <laughs> 
Very, very optimistic. Uh, Natalie, is it reverse psychology again or? Oh, I've got a really bad feeling about this. It's, you know, we've not won all season on the road. We've got four points so far. Everton are just going to be so strong and we, I think we'll defend resolutely, but it'll just be too much. And Lukaku flying through on our defence is just going to be massively scary. Um so I can't see anything other than a Burnley loss, I'm afraid. Um, the reverse psychology is is well in swing and I think Burnley going to lose 2-1. Well, personally, because of uh, my position in the, the Predictions League being uh, jeopardised after last week, um, I'm going to to modify my prediction a little bit. Uh, still opt- more optimistic than everyone else. I'm going to say we're going to steal a 1-1 draw. We'll go ahead early on. Andre Gray, definitely. Uh but we'll invite some late pressure and Everton will take advantage to, to equalise. Just as we feel like the away wins within our grasp, it'll be cruelly taken from us. Oh, indeed. Do you think that at this, any point in this season, Birdie will be able to bring back your Andre Gray hat-trick? Well, I had the Andre Gray hat-trick on on Saturday. Oh, really? <laughs> uh, so, furious, furious uh, with, with Dash. No, Dash, Dash is <laughs> taking him off on 60 Minutes. Could have easily banged a hat-trick in in that last half an hour. Easy. Yeah. But just to soften the blow, I did have second and third in the Grand National, so. Well, there you go. Swings swings and roundabouts. I'm sure our listeners will be delighted to hear that. Well, (laughs) unfortunately, Phil Bird had uh, the winner. Not only did he have the winner, he had the winner several months ago at Antipo, so clearly I should have taken his advice. I could have had one, two, three. And imagine how rich I'd be now, but I'm not, so. Still poor. So we've we've just there's no point doing that podcast that section we did a minute ago about who's going to come up because you just got your dad on. Yeah, that's true. Papa Bird true. can tell us he's going to come up. But... True. He, he probably he's probably yeah he's probably sussed it out. Probably got it written down somewhere. Probably even knows the score in the the, the playoff final. Uh... <laughs> Still got a hidden envelope somewhere on the mantelpiece. Yeah, probably. I mean, I'm, after after the final whistle, he'll pull it out like a and here we are, the big reveal. Yeah, it's, it's correct. Down to even down to goal scorers and minutes. Uh, <laughs> probably, probably hope he doesn't listen anyway, so he, he won't know how great uh, we've just locked him up. So I, I think it's quite nice to see that What's even up? in Jamie's absence, that the, the end of our podcast descends into chaos. We, we, we've we, we've lost uh, we've lost the, the thread of, thread of thought here, guys. Let's pull it back. But importantly, speaking of Jamie, um, Jamie's not here this week. For some reason, as I t- said earlier, believes. Earning a living is more important than the non ever podcast. Questionable logic, I know. Um, but he's recorded a little prediction for us and uh, he's looking, obviously, to, to grow on his, his, his result from last week and maybe solidify second place. But this is prediction. Hello, everyone. Jamie here. Sorry for scaring off again this week. I'm sure my fans are missing me a lot. I'd love to say I'll be back next week, but unfortunately, I'm going to be away again. Um, good news is that I got a prediction right for the first time in ages, closing the gap to Kevin. Um, Everton away, up next. Very tough game this one. Everton extremely strong at home. I think they've won about seven in a row in the league. Romelu Lukaku, very, very good at Goodison. I think it's going to be a very difficult game this one. also suspect Burnley might just start to switch off a little bit since safety is pretty much assured now. Um, so I'm going to predict a defeat, I'm afraid. I'm going to go Everton 3, Burnley 1. 
So despite starting so positively, podcast has ended with all of us, uh, with none of us, sorry, going for a win uh, at Everton. So back to form. Uh, before we go, very quickly, just a reminder that tickets are available now for our live podcast. Um, it's at the Turf Moor. I've, I've said it again, the Turf Moor. It's at Turf Moor. After the West Brom game on Saturday the 6th of May, there's lots of interactive things for you to get involved with. You'll be voting for your known and ever player of the season. You can have your say on the game and the season as a whole. We're going to have a Q&A and you can test your clarest knowledge in our quiz. Tickets are free and you can get yours now. So the link is in the show notes. So I think that's about everything for this week. Um, obviously, a few little different things this week just to try and mix it up from the same will we win away uh, sort of chatter and who's going to play up front and on the wing. Um, firstly, thank you to Kevin and Natalie for joining me this week. Um, thank you to Isabella and Toby yet again for their intro, uh, the first of the Kickstarter intros. And obviously, we've got a few more to come before the end of the season. Um, thank you to Rick for his fantastic artwork, as always. And thank you to all of you for listening. Um, I've been James Bird. This has been the No Name Ever podcast. Good night. that because we're pretty much safe now so it was more of a actually in this sense was this the right thing to do oh wow um something appears to have happened to kevin oh sorry i didn't realize i I thought i was muted (laughs) i mean no let me have a look he's just brought in some little marshmallow things he's been um... oh stop it i can't deal with the food i thought you were saying wow uh brom is being negative <laughs> no i wasn't I... saying wow at brom's opinion she says something or... sensible oh my <laughs> god birdie that's exactly what i thought he was doing so i was like all right <laughs> suck it i've just made i've just made patrick bamford you've never ever scored a premier league goal despite playing for five different clubs you're a joke. It's getting a bit harsh. It is. God. <laughs> what did you start there, Kevin? <laughs> okay, we're raining Kevin in now, listeners. We're just going to chill him out for a small while. <laughs> well, Jamie, you did... Sorry, Jamie. Sorry, sorry. James. That's favourite form of the podcast ever. James is gone. <laughs> James has hung up. It's quick. <laughs> He's recorded a little prediction for us, and uh, but this is prediction. We're only going to get beat 10 now. Oh, wow. <laughs> Bit negative, Jamie. Um, anyway. Thank you to Rick for his fantastic artwork, as always. Um, that is everyone, isn't it? Yeah. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. 
This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.